Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Good morning, everybody. I'm Brian Wren, one of your pastors. It's a privilege to be with you on this Veterans Day. And let us pause and pray and give thanks for that. Father in heaven, we acknowledge today that you are our ruling Lord. Lord, in ways that are beyond our understanding, you sustain us and you've allowed us to live here on earth. Lord, you are present with us and willing and wanting to be in relationship with us because of uh, your great act of love, uh, the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection uh, of his body. And Lord, we acknowledge it's your spirit that is in us, that leads and guides us, that acts as protection. But Lord, we've had uh, much freedom here uh, as we've lived in the States. And we have acknowledged, God, uh, that that is your doing uh, in some manner in your sovereignty. And Lord, many have lost lives for that. Many continue to serve for that. And many, many, God, uh, have sacrificed for that freedom. So Lord, we acknowledge that and thank you today. Now lead us today. Lord, what is it you want us to learn as we continue to chase David? What does it mean uh, to find protection in you uh, when pain is caused by others? May your spirit speak, and may we walk with hope and strength today. And all God's people said. Well, it is good to be with you, and we're in the midst of chasing David And the big idea today is up on the screen. I want you to see it. You've heard us say it. When people cause you pain, find protection in the Lord. When people cause you pain, find protection in the Lord. David needed this because he had a huge problem that he was experiencing. I want you to open up your Bibles and let's look at this. Look at his serious problem. I want you to open up the second Samuel Chapter 15, verse 14. 2 Samuel, chapter 15, verse 14. It's on page 315 in your pew Bible. As we've been chasing David, we've seen uh, he's had some things go well for him, and then he's had some things not go well for him. And he is under a great dilemma here, one of his greatest problems. And you can see what his opening line is on the screen. Look what he says. Then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, come, we must flee or none of us will escape from Absalom. This is his son. We must leave immediately or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin on us and put the city to the sword. He's in a point in his reign where his son has turned on him and is now attacking him and his choice is either to flee or die. And so he and all his officials are heading out, leaving Jerusalem. What's powerful and amazing, and if you would just flip a few pages, we have his inner thoughts about this moment. His son Absalom is turned on him. He's about to attack him. He's trying to get out of the city in time. But if you would turn to Psalm 3, which Bobby read, this is just amazing that we have this opportunity to see this intimate Uh, look into David's thoughts. Psalm 3, in your Bible, or in the Pew Bibles, page 537. Look what Psalm 3 says. This is David as he's on the run. Somehow he found time to pen this. (laughs) 
in a quiet moment, in the midst of what was going on, this is what he wrote down. And I want you to see what pops out to you in this text. As I read it, I'm going to even ask you that in a moment. What part stands out to you most in this text? And have you ever felt this way? Look what he says. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from the holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. What do you see in that text? What stands out to you? Somebody just holler out. What do you see there? Trust. You see trust. Deliverance. You see this desire for deliverance. He sleeps. He sleeps. Yeah, that, that even though he's under attack, he can trust God to actually find some rest. Yes. Yeah, he's kind of put it in God's hands at that point. Who else? What stands out to you? The Lord is our protection. There's something about going back to him in the midst of your worst scenario. Let me ask you, have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt this way? being attacked by others, deserved or at times undeserved. Maybe it's you've just been misunderstood. Somebody has slandered you. There's no mercy or grace. You feel accused. Maybe it's just you're merely mildly offended. It could be that subtle. Have you felt this way? I want to give you the permission to let yourself even go back into that time because it's interesting. When it pierces us like that, it stirs up feelings. And I want you to feel how David might have felt and remember those feelings when you were attacked, misunderstood, slandered, accused, or mildly offended. Do you have it? I see a nod or two. I have one. I had been very good friends with an older couple in our neighborhood when I was a kid. We grew up in the same neighborhood back in western Pennsylvania, east of Pittsburgh, PA, about uh, 40 miles in a small town called Latrobe. And I can remember in my early years, four, five, six, seven, I would go to our neighbor's house. They lived five doors down. And he had been a former pilot. He was a retired pilot. And he had replicas, all these model planes and all these different planes he'd flown. And I would sit there and look at them, and he would talk to me and tell me about them. But it's interesting, as I grew older into my junior high years, and I would play outside more with older kids and kids in our neighborhood, what I realized was he had a reputation, and his name was Mr. Graveyard. That's what the kids had named him in the street. Because any time a ball rolled into his yard, you never saw it again. <laughs> and he was one of those guys who had an early automatic garage door. And when it would open up, you'd look in outside on the street and realize, there's my Nerf football. 
There's my kickball. And he just collected our stuff and it died there. Hence, Mr. Mrs. Graveyard. What's interesting, one night I was away with my uh, friends, had been spending the weekend with them, but my mom called the house of my friends and said, Brian, have you been there all night? And I said, yes, I've been here all night. And Well, can I speak with Mrs. Schaefer? That was Doug's mom. Sure. And she described our evening. We had played, and then we'd all gone out to dinner together with his family and come back, and I was at my friend's Doug's house. And she says, the police are at our house, and you're being accused of setting a fire to our neighbor's porch. The porch was Mr. Graveyard's. I hadn't been there. It was a case of mistaken identity. But that relationship changed from that point on. They never really found out who set the fire. He thought I had. They had no proof. It just went like that. And so we lived in that neighborhood, and that's what they thought of me, and I thought of him. And it was, it was very, very difficult. And it was kind of sad because there had been such a sweet, sweet, innocent relationship. It hurt. How could they? I went from being this cute little kid to an arsonist. It was so unfair. Can you relate to that? Sometimes we don't start the problems that cause others to cause us pain. But let's face it, sometimes we actually do, don't we? David's a mix of that. (laughs) King David's a mix of this. Remember where he is? He's on the run. He's fleeing because his son has turned against him. What you need to know is some of the backstory to understand why it's a mix of undeserved and some deserved. David's backstory can be found in 2 Samuel chapter 12 to 15. We don't have time to read it all, but let me sum it up in these three ways. His backstory comes with this, uncontrolled sexual desire. And because of that uncontrolled sexual desire, David went on to have 20 plus kids to seven wives and probably even more because of the concubines uh, that he took part in. As a result of that, his kids, it really wasn't a tight family unit, to say the least. There was a bit of dysfunction in seven wives, in 20 plus kids, and a promiscuous father. As a result, his kids were undisciplined. His one son, Amnon, rapes his half-sister, Tamar. And David takes no action. Even as the king, he takes no action. Worse yet, probably as a father, he takes no action. As a result, remember the characters, Amnon rapes Tamar. As a result, another brother, Absalom, says this is ridiculous, takes justice into his own hands and does what? Has Amnon killed. So you have murder, rape within the family unit. It's undisciplined and out of control. Absalom also had power issues, the son who killed Amnon, and went on to undermine his own father. He gains influence really through a conspiracy. He's a very good-looking young man, this Absalom. You can read about that. He anoints himself as king at one point in the same town away from Jerusalem. 
and tells, the, tells everyone to praise him as the new king. And now he's on his way back. And David knows that his own son is coming for his own head. David's about to lose everything, his position, his possessions, and the people most loyal to him. Now let's get back to your story. Can you relate? Have you ever been undermined by someone that was your own? Let me give you some examples. The colleague, the spouse, the business partner, the brother, the sister, your mom or dad, a friend, or maybe worst of all, your kid. Have you ever been undermined? Now, sometimes this happens over finances. What's interesting, in this very common day, it happens over politics, doesn't it? It happens over social issues like immigration, human sexuality. It happens around cultural issues, work-life balance, just different opinions we have on how things should be. It happens around spiritual issues. What can be forgiven or not forgiven? I thought the gospel was about forgiveness. I think something to learn more than anything in this day and age is this. It's a side note. When I come across people where they want to hold one issue to be the dividing line between me and them in our future relationship, have you ever been in that? Whereas there's this one issue that we might not agree on, and they want to make it the dividing line between me and them moving forward, this is what I typically say to them. Hey, prior to this one issue, well, we don't realize there's been a zillion other issues we've never agreed on. And up until this point, we've loved each other, even when we didn't understand all the disagreement we've had because it was unknown. And we're going to divide on this one issue? That's crazy. I love you. I like being in a relationship with you. We haven't agreed on everything in the past, and we won't agree about everything in the future, but let's move forward in love. But in this day and age, what I've found is that issues become these dividing lines that break down families, friendships, colleagues. But then there are these instances where we hurt somebody and they can't forgive or they want revenge. And then there's other instances where they just see it totally different. I'm an arsonist, not a cute little kid anymore. And they treat me in a total different way. The real question is, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Before I tell you how, let's move on. And let's see how worse it got for David. <laughs> okay, it got worse. It wasn't it bad enough that his own son turned on him? Enter Shimei, turn to 2 Samuel 16, chapter 16, verse 5. Some of this will be on the screen, but I'm going to read chapter 16, verse 5 um, through 14. As David is fleeing, he approaches a different town. He's left the Mount of Olives, and as he's climbing up the Mount of Olives, he's barefoot and he's weeping. And his men are with him on his sides. And as he approaches this other town, Barum, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. 
His name was Shimei, son of Gerah. And he cursed as he came out. And he pelted David and all his king's officials with stones, though all the troops and special guards were on David's right and on his left. As he cursed, Shimei said, get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul. In whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. You've come to ruin because you are a murderer. Then one of his men said to him, why should this dead dog curse my Lord the king? This isn't on the screen. I'm reading it to you. Let me go over and cut off his head. But the king said, what does this have to do with you? If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, who can ask, why do you do this? David then said to his men, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjamite? Leave this man Shimei alone. Let him curse me, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore me to his covenant blessing instead of this curse today. What's amazing, in the midst of his son coming after him, in the midst of there is a man throwing dirt and stone at him. He chooses to say, if it is the Lord's will, so it be. Let's walk on and take no revenge. Wow. Wow. What's amazing? He said something similar back in verses 1526 when he was leaving the city. Back in 1526, he says, if I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it and his dwelling place again. But if he says, I am not pleased with you, David, then I am ready. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. May the Lord do to me whatever seems good to him. That is a bold statement of saying, God, your will be done. What would you do in that situation? Stone, dirt raining down on you, a son coming after you. What would you have done? Behead the man? Or say, Lord, lead me into righteousness like the prayer today that was sung. Lord, guide me. Your will be done. I had another scenario that happened a while back. I was accused of something, I would say, even worse. It would be career-ending if I was involved in it. I was called one day and was told about this situation. I can remember the feeling inside of me. This isn't true, but if it seems true, I'm done as a pastor. After hours went by and some investigation was done, it turned out to be, once again, mistaken identity. It wasn't me. <laughs> All right? It was someone else. How dare they? The person who accused me really didn't know me. 
I demand it. I want to meet with them. This shouldn't have happened. Who are these people to say this about me? Don't they know me? I boiled. I boiled and I stewed and I boiled and I stewed. But what was interesting is I sat before the Lord. His reaction is, let it be. Similar to what David has said twice already. Fortunately, I got some wise people on my left and my right to deal with the stones and rocks that were coming. And they were also able to speak wisdom into me. In the end, they said, let it go. It was a mistake. It's amazing how it still fuels a little fire in me. Can you relate to that? Those people on my left and my right and the Lord above gave me the right perspective. I said to my son um, last week as we were driving to school, and as he drives, I no longer have to just pray when we're in the car. And uh, (laughs) he turns 16 this week, and he gets his license as soon as he will be able to, uh, a few days after his birthday. You can pray for that. And uh, (laughs) But as we're driving, I said to him, Son, isn't it good that the Lord gives us a different perspective than the one we often have in our head? He's driving. He shrugged his shoulders. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And as a 15-year-old who is trying to figure out what it means to walk with God, he knew it because he knows the nutty stuff that happens in his head. And he knows sometimes when he's up against the vengeance of his own brother, his younger brother, the nutty stuff that happens in his head and how he's got to get a different perspective not to even act on that little bit of revenge desired in a safe home that's not that harsh. But don't we need the perspective of the Lord when the stones come, when the dirt's coming, whether it's even somewhat deserved or totally undeserved. There's some similarities that we can see here between David and Jesus that I believe God wants us to hold on to and do the same. When I was with you at the very beginning of this series, there was three words. You're chosen, you're loved, and you have what it takes. And I showed you how David had been anointed and told he was chosen and he was loved and he was going to be empowered by the Spirit. And then I showed you in the New Testament and the Gospels how Jesus, the same way, was chosen and told that he was loved and empowered by the Spirit. And then how in Ephesians, we are chosen and loved and empowered by the Spirit. And that is this crazy, mysterious, glorious thread that's pulled through to us to live from. Oh, what a wonderful mystery. It's the same with how David and Jesus react in this situation. We can also. Take a look at these. David and Jesus both betrayed by their comrades. Interestingly enough, David and Jesus both rode on donkeys. (laughs) In this scene, as he's being pelted, okay, he's riding out on a donkey because he's still royalty and we can't get our heads around donkeys, royalty, that makes no sense. But in this day and age, donkeys, royalty, oh yeah. 
Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey because he was royalty. And as David was about to walk out, one of his men said, I have the donkeys because you are still royalty. And they rode out together. Both of these men wept on the Mount of Olives. Jesus, what did he pray when he wept? Your will be done. David, as he was weeping, what did he declare? Your will be done. They were both insulted by enemies. They both showed restraint. They both prayed, your will be done. They both cried out and were willing to wait on the Lord. During that time of about two days, three days, four days that I was in the midst of that second story I told you about, that waiting was hard. That was probably some of my hardest waiting and anger-filled waiting. Our big idea today is when people cause you pain, find protection in the Lord. And this takes us back as we close today to Psalm 3. Psalm 3, let's reread through it, read through it again and see when David is being pummeled, how he actually handles it. I see this psalm being broken down uh, into three parts. What's wonderful and I think we need to remember this, and it's on the next slide. When you are faced with pain caused from other people, you have first got to get into shelter. Remember the story? He's got men on his left, and he's got men on his right. You've got to get to a safe place, a refuge, and you've got to get to your people so they can give you perspective. And then you've got to let God in. And then you probably have to do your part, meaning David did his part. David said, we got, he made a plan. He's like, we got to get out of here. He didn't just sit idle. And like, whatever will be, will be. If Absalom comes and lays off my head, so be it. No, he did his part, but then he handed it over to God. And he waited and he trusted. And Psalm 3 really shows this. Let's look at Psalm 3 again. Look at this first part. Verses 1 through 4, he states the problem and the truth. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. When we are faced with pain from others or pain from this world in general, I want you to see here, God wants us to state the problem and then also declare truth about him. Do you see it? Many foes, but God, you are a shield. But God, I can call to you. Often we just complain, but restate the truth to him about who he is so it builds faith in you. I was in my own dilemma. God, this is so unfair. But God, you determine my honor. You know who I am. God, you're the one who will bring forth the truth here. You are the true truth teller. That's the type of prayer I was praying during this time. Proclaiming the problem, but declaring the truth to him. And then you've got to hand over your will to him. And look what David says. I lie down and sleep. I wake again. It's the Lord who sustains me. So I will not fear though tens and thousands come. 
So at one point in my dilemma, God, I can't control this accusation. This ruins me if this is, comes forth and it's true or looks like it's me. But God, you have brought me this far and I will trust that you will lead me forward. It's in your will. At some point, you've got to hand over your will to him. This is where you do your part, you complain, you declare truth, but then you hand over your will to him. But then you ask, God, arise. Look at the next part. Deliver me. Strike my enemies on the job. Break the teeth of the wicked. From you, Lord, comes deliverance. May your blessings be on your people. This is no different than the prayer that Casey sung. The prayer, the American prayer said, guide me, help me walk in righteousness, protect me from wrong. It's the same. The question is, with the current pain that you have, or the past pain that you're holding, that's caused by someone else, or even life circumstances, have you gone to the Lord, truly complained to him about it, like David did, declared the truth about who God is, given up your will to him, asked and then just waited. Because that's all we can do. We can't control all things. So as we close today, I want you to see the bottom line. Like David, like Jesus, we're all suffering servants that at a time experience great pain and we've got to find strength in the Lord. Write down this psalm, Psalm 105.4. It's one of my favorite. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Psalm 105.4. Look, look, uh, look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. As you go this week, you're going to have to read how the story turned out. Shimei comes back in the picture. Wait till you see what happens then. Shimei, the stone rock dirt thrower, shows back up in the next scene. Wait till you see what happens with that. And I want you to leave with this term, active indifference. Active indifference is a spiritual term that declares this. What do I need to do when I'm faced with pain? And then God, what do you need to do? Because often this is what I do. I grab both hands. Of, put them on the wheel. And this is painful after a while and stressful. Can you see it in my knuckles? Versus I do my part and I give the rest to the Lord. Will you pause right now, close your eyes? I want to give you a chance to do that. What current pain are you holding? Put it in this left hand. I'm going to give you a moment. Put it in your left hand. Put your right hand up acknowledging that you will do your part and that the Lord must do his part. Walk with me as I pray this over us right now. God, I give to you what's in my left hand. And I open my hand and I put my palm down. Lord, help us to do our part in this. Lord, you are the way maker. You are the one who delivers. You are the one who makes things right. And Lord, we put our other hand up, acknowledging, Lord, you have a will for me. You have a way. You've brought us this far. May it be done. 
through your timing and through your way. So God, make a way and help us to wait patiently and trust. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.